Gabe, I think the time has come. I would like to summon Woodwind Creature. Orion, you you know that spell is forbidden. You, you can't. I, I, I know, I know, but I've spent many years of studying and perfecting the art of casting this one spell. And I believe the time has finally come. Oh. Can you please describe it to me? Okay, well, as you finish the incantation and the circle appears burned into the dirt, dust kicked up from the magical force, a figure stands in the way, a bard of legend here to sing you a tale, to inspire you in battle or, or something like that. I don't actually, I never read the spell, but yeah. It's fine. The bard singing a tune. Of great mystery. And what does it sing? What is it? I don't know. What does it sing? Oh, there once was a hero named Ragnar the Red who came riding through white one from old Rorikstead. And the braggart that's raggard and brandished his blade as he told the battles of the gold that he'd made. Bards on basements and lizard. And the, the thing, the, the creature you summon is instantly killed. So, Gabe. Yeah. What's up? We're talking about bards. Yeah, we are talking about bards. We we uh, called him a little help. Mm-hmm. Indeed, we... we did. Help, please introduce yourself. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I am Jonathan. I DM for these guys on Sundays, but my true calling is as a bard player. Yeah, and we, you know, we both think that bards are the worst, so we figured, well, we might as well call someone on who thinks bards are the best, balance it out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So, when I say the word bard, what is coming to mind? What images flood through your cranium? And please describe it to me. What is a bard? <laughs> In my cranium rattles around the descriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think you... you, you it's pretty clear um, what you're getting into. You're, I, I know it doesn't have to be explicitly music or, or anything like that, but I just see the the guy with the guitar in the middle of the, the dirt battlefield or whatever just playing some tunes. And, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, there's, there's not a whole lot else to it. I You know, you got – obviously there is more depth to the class than just, just playing music. Um but that's that's where my mind immediately goes. So, but yeah, uh, but John has more experience. Why do, why don't you tell us what you think? Yeah. So in a D and D context, I agree a hundred percent that a bard would show up as just your standard minstrel that you see plucking strings over in the corner of the tavern uh, out yonder. But for some reason, despite uh, all my time in D and D with this and you know, all of the above. The first thing that I think of when I think of a bard is, well, the bard, William Shakespeare, someone who can very expertly craft stories and portray them to their best intention, whether it be through writing or, as said before, music. I would have to agree. Bards commonly in D&D are used as lore masters. They are 
they're storytellers. They could be storytellers through music, through visual arts, such as painting or drawing, calligraphy. You can use bards in visual displays of plays and acrobatics. And essentially, to boil it down to, they are storytellers. So moving into the class itself, unless anyone has something else they'd want, like to say. Nope. Okay. You guys said it um, way better than I could. <laughs> Well, Gabe, if you would like to redeem yourself, please tell us the level one class features of starting a bard. Okay, Ooh, here we go. Uh, your hit dice is 1d8, so perfectly average. You get proficiencies in light armor, weapons and simple weapons, hand crossbows, long swords, rapiers, and short swords, tools with three musical instruments of your choice, uh, so you can play those tunes. You get saving throws and dexterity and charisma, and you can choose any three skills. There's no uh, skill list here. You just get to choose any of the skills lending itself to the fact that the bard is not really uh, focused on any one thing there. The jack of all trades. Um, but your equipment is going to be a rapier, uh, either a rapier, a longsword, or any simple weapon. You get to choose between a diplomat's pack and an entertainer's pack. You get a lute or any other musical instrument. Um, and you also gain leather armor and a dagger. So you're ready to go. Not nothing. You're not getting anything quite too as fancy as maybe like the, uh, a paladin or something like with the heavy armor or anything like that, but you're, you got enough. You, uh, the bard has just you enough. got what you need. Yeah. The bard has just enough to get by. <laughs> yeah. And something I think I would like to bring up about the tool proficiencies with the three musical instruments. Like, like we were talking about before, if you're not a bard playing a musical instrument, just change those out for your art medium of sorts. I was playing a painter bard for a while, and I just changed all that out for painter's tools, calligrapher's tools, and uh, forgery kit. Yeah. So, it's like, definitely make it make it fit, but talk to your DM, make sure they're chill with it, because sometimes your artful things might be a little more than just artful. Yeah, you may be like, uh, my art is herbalism kit, and uh, you're <laughs> you might be trying to cheese it, <laughs> hey, cheese it to get you herbalism could. kit. <laughs> I would I love to see a bard argue to make their uh, bonsai trees as oh, casting their spells. That would oh, be epic. Oh, what be if? Fantastic. What if? What if they like? Uh, what if they like grew like a special strain of like weed or something like that? Or the, and and you just give people herbs and you're like, hey man, this is an art, dude. <laughs> and just and that was your. Uh, that's that's all your stuff is just. Uh, the places where my just, mind goes. Now you've just got me inspired to make some strange bard druid <laughs> hybrid, the College of the Gardener, where their entire thing is musings through bonsai trees and hedge bushes. <laughs> hey, I could see a bonsai bard. That would be cool. Bonsai bard. Um... Anyways, but yeah, you're getting what you you're getting what you need at level one for your equipment and class features. You generally understand that. When you're playing a bard, you're playing a utility person, a jack-of-all-trades, whatever you want to call it. But because you're also a bard, you get spellcasting level 1 because you're a full caster. But the annoying thing about it, you know spells, you don't prepare them. Yeah, which is, is a negative, but I think it makes sense. We have musicians have, like, uh, their repertoire. Yeah, their repertoire and not, I, I, you know, I, I think it makes sense for the bard. I don't... I also think if they could switch out their spells, it would be it would get ridiculous. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, their their casting ab ability is charisma, um, and they uh, they just play their tunes or they they do their performance, and that's how they they do it. It actually does 
it does say in the uh, the casting the spell casting feature it does say your spell casting focus you can use a musical instrument as a spell casting focus so um, which I would extend to if you're doing other forms of art you could you could argue that your you know your painting supplies are your is your spell casting focus and whatnot um, mm -hmm. so it's nothing you know use your use your art this is kind of like what we talked about in the art artificers episode where it's like take the chance to um really flavor your spells and uh, and do this with the bard too they just have the musical flavor or the performance flavor of it and uh really emphasizing that is important i think i think john will agree with us too <laughs> oh yes so i used to sort of talk a little bit more about said casting what are some focus on some of the lower level spells just because you know if you're getting to higher level bard you're probably gonna know what to take mm -hmm. um, what are some lower level spells you might recommend for a bard or that you just that you just enjoy oh geez well we can't speak of lower level spells without you know completely skipping cantrips we can't ignore vicious mockery that's a prerequisite for every bard it is the prestigitation it is the druid craft it is the eldritch blast I have never taken Vicious Mockery as a bard. That is slightly disappointing, but completely understandable. Oh, it's I I agree with John. It's you gotta you gotta have it. They don't really have any. I mean, for, from a mechanical standpoint, they don't really have a whole lot of else uh, outright attacking stuff. And the the fact that it's you're not even really you're doing minimal damage. You're just mostly there for the debuffs. Is a. Uh, uh, I think makes it a, a strong cantrip, not not one that you need to take, um, but certainly certainly a solid pick nonetheless. Oh yeah. Also, who doesn't want to yell at somebody and and make their you know brain explode because you told them their mom sucked? Yeah. So so those uh, first level um, bard spells, they're mostly support, as uh, stated. They're mostly utility. But mm -hmm. a few that I've seen used that just absolutely tear things apart, of course, are um, Charm, uh, Charm Person, um, vitally good if you can land it, because it's not a combat spell. You can use it in combat. Make sure you have an instrument of the bards if you're going to do that, because that's probably the only way you're going to get it through. Um, mm -hmm. Other than that, we've got, of course, um, Heroism, which at the very first levels is phenomenal. Um, Healing word, getting that bonus action healing, then I'd say I'd top it off with maybe hideous laughter to just incapacitate someone on the field right then and there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have to agree. All very, very pleasant spells. But John, I think you're, I think you're forgetting one. Um, a certain spell nope. called sleep. Uh nope. I was deciding to stay unconscious and forget about that one. I've had a many an encounter brought to its knees from that uh, sleep. Thank you, Orion. You're very welcome. Yes, I would highly recommend a sleep spell. I have sung praises about it before. I will continue to sing praises about it. It is a wonderful first level spell. And it's just like, it makes sense. You play a lullaby and people could fall asleep. Yeah, Orion, you, you missed the, the point. John didn't want it to, the other people to figure out about it. So he could, he was saving DMs everywhere. And, you know, players will eventually figure out that it's that it's amazing. 
The real answer is actually the complete opposite. Say you're in a nighttime encounter that's uh, easily avoidable, but you need to wake up all your friends, then a good thunder wave will truly get you going. Mm. Mm-hmm. Ah, indeed. I do. I am a fan of thunder wave. It's, it is one of, I mean, it's one of the really their only damaging spells. Being it is to... the only first level damaging spell, I'm pretty sure. I think Earth, they, they have Earth Tremor um, that can do that, but it's, I don't know, it's the most evocative, uh, being able to just, mm-hmm. yell you know, power cord. Yeah, jam that power cord, and then you, bam, they just get flung away. It's great for, you're, you probably don't have great HP, so you're, uh, most likely, so you're probably going to use that to help you get out of, out of dodge, um, and it's, I don't know, it's just a fun spell. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best one, but, you know. Yeah. Second level, any choices here? Oh, second level has... It, it has some really good stuff, depending on how you want to play. One of my personal favorites is Heat Metal, because that can just ruin any DM's day. Yeah, there's a lot of metal in D&D. Say so you're going up against... Uh, well, you know, you're just facing up against VVEG. He's got full plate on. Let's just Heat Metal and have him either take that continuous fire damage or, you know, take ten minutes to doff his armor. Granted, usually you're not going to use that against an end boss, but early game, that's you still never know. a phenomenal spell. I think yeah, uh, uh, I think hold person But then, is, of course, there's like enhance ability, which basically you could just take anything that someone's good at and make them better. Yeah, absolutely. Or make yeah. someone less crap at something. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Gabe, you were saying about hold person? I think hold person's a great choice for this level. You know, it's, it's a staple of a lot of classes, but... Um, I think the bard is suited for it because you're you're more of a support slash debuff kind of caster, and uh, I think that's really good. Um, other stuff I would I, I would also look at like multi-use spells that are gonna just get you get you a lot of mileage rather than just combat. Um, I mean, like a heat metal is a, a great example of this because you can there's a lot of creative s- scenarios you can solve with heat metal. Um, mm-hmm. I would say, like, Suggestion is another really powerful one. Um, I th- it's one of those ones where a lot of pe- I think a lot of people think it's, oh, too, it's phenomenal. too good. Yeah, I think a lot of people think it's too good to pass up. Taking those good utility spells, I think, is important. Detect Thoughts for um, interrogation. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of good uses for uh, reading people's minds. So Yeah. You have a lot of choices for what kind of campaign you're playing, and now that we've recommended the entire spell list... How about we move on to our <laughs> other first level ability called yes. Bardic Inspiration. John, you want to tell us about it? Bardic Inspiration? Yeah, tell us yeah. about how, how we do, how do we inspire people? How, how Bard, how it, how inspire, how do, how do Bard inspire? Well, it depends <laughs> on, uh, I guess the play style of your Bard and how they feel like uh, they should inspire. Some people do it with arousing kind of speech. Some people do it with ways of support. But in the very end, the mechanical basis of the Bardic Inspiration is one of the big cruxes of this class. You can inspire others through stirring words or music. To do so, you can use a bonus action on your turn to choose one creature other than yourself within 60 feet of you who can hear you. This creature earns one Bardic Inspiration die at level 3 starting at D6. Once within the next 10 minutes, so 100 turns if you're in really long combat and really want to keep track of that, the creature can roll the die and add the number rolled to one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw that it makes. 
This creature can wait uh, until after it rolls its d20 before deciding to use the inspiration die, but must decide before the DM says whether the roll succeeds or fails. Once the inspiration die is rolled, it is lost. The creature can only have one bardic inspiration die at a time. Yep. So basically, you get a extra. You get to give your friends one extra dice to add on top of their d20 rolls to make them do better. And this, of course, this increases as you level up to like, uh, what is it? Uh, d8 at level 5 d10 at level 10 and a d12 at 15 correct mm-hmm. something like that and you get to use it yeah, as many so... times as your charisma bonus yep yes and regain on a long rest yes 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 until until fifth level which we'll get to yeah. later mm-hmm. um basically you're everyone you're your party's hype man <laughs> yes it, it's it's this is your bread and butter ability you're going to be using this this feature a lot and a lot of the subclasses in the uh, of the bard uh, a lot of a lot of their abilities are fueled by the bardic inspiration die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair. It's fairly simple, but important mm-hmm. thing to know that I have run into so many times, and I don't get why people don't get this bardic inspiration. You cannot add that to damage. Why do people think there? That? There is a there's a there subclass are, that there lets are you do subclasses. it. Yes, there are subclasses that let you do it but you cannot normally add that to damage. Thank yeah. you for that PSA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Moving on from that to probably the other really big feature of bards that a lot of people love, Jack of All Trades. Gabe, what's Jack of All Trades? Well, starting at second level, you can add half your proficiency bonus rounded down to any ability check you make that doesn't already include your proficiency bonus. So whatever. So if you're not good at something, you're now okay at it. If you're if you were, if you were already previously, yeah, pretty good. Now you're really good. <laughs> so, so if you, maybe if you didn't take proficiency in like one of the charisma skills, you, you know, you have a high charisma. Let's get a plus one to it. You're still going to be able to. If you didn't choose deception, you'll still be able to have a pretty high de- deception score. And uh, and you're also mitigating any like uh, you're probably going to be mitigating uh, any negatives you have too. So it's all around really good ability. You're not going to really like see it all the time you're not be like oh boy this is actually i'm going to counter that you see it a lot more often than you think because the jack of all trades does apply to the initiative bonus Mm -hmm. that is true but Um, you're not going to be expressively thanking jack of all trades all the time it's yeah that's what he's more saying yeah you're not going to be like you're not going to be rolling me like oh thanks jack of all trades for that extra plus two or whatever whatever you're getting it's just it's sort of something that's in the background um, and those are I kind of like those kind of abilities that are sort of hanging in the background, and but they're always they're always helping you out just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's very simple. Just that said, it is one more thing to keep track of when you level up. But you know, you're not upping proficiency bonus all that often. Mm-hmm. So you know. And this is only get rid every, of that. Yeah. It's only ever two oh. every two times you up your proficiency bonus. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to really worry so, about it mitigate that dump stat and yeah really that's it, it's good our other second level ability that we're going to be getting is song of rest uh, at second level you can use soothing music or oration to help revitalize your wounded allies during a short rest if you or any friendly creature you can hear well can hear your performance uh, regain hit points at the end of the short rest each of those creatures regains an extra 1d6 hit points and this also increases at a fairly similar rate to your 
bardic inspiration die it's a little bit later usually but it's it's fine it's kind of weird but eh, you know yeah. it is what it is basically just the bardic inspiration but it seems to just stagnate every like two to four levels for whatever yeah. reason yeah so you know just it's extra hit points you're probably not gonna notice it sort of like jack of all trades but it's like it's there who's gonna say no to extra hit points now there's one thing that depending on it's one thing i want to bring up depending on the kind of party that you have if you're fought if you're with a bunch of fighters and warlocks and other short rest characters you're gonna be using this a lot and it will be more prevalent very true but anyways John, you were saying? Yeah, I wanted to ask about a potential synergy. I can't remember which feat it is off the very top of my head. Inspiring because... leader? No, it, it always uh, I always confuse it with uh, tough or resilient. It's it's the one that lets you double. Is it double your hit dice or double your constitution modifier? It's it's like uh, it it's like it. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about too. I will look it up through the because... magic of the internet. If it is the double of your hit dice, my, my question would be is, how would that synergize with Song of Rest? Would you be able to double that this Song of Rest? This is not hit dice. Very This fair. is not hit dice. This is it's Song of Rest dice. Durable is the feat you're looking at. Yes. Uh, looking at. Incre- the feat increases your constitution score by one, maximum of 20, and it also gives you, uh, when you roll hit dice to regain hit points, the minimum number of hit points you regain from the roll equals twice your constitution modifier. So, if you... Uh, uh if you whenever you roll you're rolling hit dice it basically if it, it's not double your constitution modifier you you get the to choose your double your constitution modifier yeah that's fair i i only asked because of the wording of the feat i didn't remember if it said specifically hit dice or if it said when yeah. you're going to heal yourself it does indeed good catch though so yep so song of rest separate sadly can't stack that on top of durable mm-hmm yeah, so fairly simple. Third level, we're getting our bard colleges. We'll come back to those later. What else are we getting at third level, John? <laughs> oh, I'm glad you asked. One of my favorite concepts in D&D 5e, uh, specifically as a player, is expertise. At third level, choose two of your skill proficiencies. Your proficiency bonus is double for any pro- ability check that you make uh, that uses either of the chosen proficiencies. At tenth level, you get to choose another two. So whatever you are good at, you're now amazing at. <laughs> yes. At this point, you are a little, a literal expert, and that should be impressive when you bring it into real-world numbers, because what's, what's the number that it is? You need to have 10,000 hours of experience into something to be considered an expert. I yeah I don't know what the I don't know what that so, number is. Maybe one. There's a lot of there's a lot of myths and stuff about the ten thousand hour. Let's go sure ten thousand hours to become a true masterful expert. Now, if you guys are going to comment on the number being lower or anything about that, don't make fun of Ryan. Don't make fun of Gabe. Absolutely make fun of me. Um, but the point is, when we put that into a quantifiable number and then realize that the bard just becomes an expert in four things, that should be a pretty good tell of just how good a bard gets at those four things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Similarly to the rogue, this can piss off DMs just because you will have absurd roles in certain stats, and if you are like if you pick wisely, then you could either have them be sort of the obvious ones like perception or investigation, or you can have them be some of the more subtle ones that when it comes up 
it's a crucial moment and your DM's going to hate you for it. Such as? Athletics. Um, you could have a crucial athletics check every once in a while, I believe. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I would have to be going for a specific bar. It depends think... on the yeah, it depends on the style of game that you're playing certainly. Like mm-hmm. if you decide to be ex- an expert in history, then you could pick up on a lot of stuff that your DM might not be prepared for. Yeah, take out take uh, expertise in arcana and and be uh, better at arca- at your arcana checks than the wizard, <laughs> which mm-hmm. will infuriate the if you're playing with a wizard, which will infuriate it will uh, excuse me, it will infuriate your wizard player to no end if you can continuously are better at arcana. <laughs> uh, um, uh, one thing I want to note real quick is that despite the impressive number of expertise that uh, the bard gets, specifically one subclass that we'll get to later. I will mm-hmm. say that there is still a class that does it better. Because when you put the rogue's reliable talent on top of it, it's just cruel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did talk about that before, that that is a cruel mistress. A cruel, cruel mistress. <laughs> Go listen to our, our rogue episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> self-plug. <laughs> Actually, if I plug it, it's not a self-plug. I believe expertise has been talked about enough. Moving on to... Our usual 4th, 8th, 12th, 16th, and 19th level abilities score improvements. This is our spot where we usually talk about feats. So, what are some feats that you might recommend for a bard? Oh, jeez. See, that's not an easy question, because as stated, bards are kind of of jack-of-all-trades, do-whatever-you-want. But if you build them Mm -hmm. with feats, you can make them slowly get closer and closer and closer into adapting one role. Uh, for instance, I, I, the one that I think specifically is good for all bards, don't get me wrong, is Actor. Mm, yeah, definitely. Of course, yep. Especially when you put that with, like, Disguise Self or a Hat of Disguise. Um, you guys can attest to that one. But in another sense, uh, with one of my characters with a, a specific class that we'll get into later, I gave her the Defensive Duelist and uh, Dual Wielder. So we had those AC bumps that just basically made her an epic evasion tank. So it really just depends on what playstyle you want to do personally, but actor is always a wonderful must-have for a bard. I would also say uh, a really another really good pick is uh inspiring leader, giving your giving your friends a speech that will bo- boost their HP is just right up the bard's alley. The fact that it's a feat means that other people can do it and other people and that, I think that's great as well, but I think it's just like it's so barred. Why isn't it one of their features <laughs> just off the bat? Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, I can think of one that could easily be replaced by it. What's, what's that? We'll, we'll get we'll get to that in a bit. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, and uh, I also think uh, if you try, really want to lean into sport, healer is another really solid one to pick. Um, the other one, there was one more. Oh, prodigy feat. If you're uh, from Xanathar's Guide to Everything. To get another expertise uh, is, yeah, I, 10 out of 10 would take the Prodigy feat. <laughs> prodigy and skilled in general would be fantastic for yeah. a, a skill monkey, especially if you're doing, again, rogue or bard, because or half-elf bard rogue, because you get those two bonus skills on top of it. I think I did the math doing that once, and there were like four skills that I wasn't proficient in at the end. Yeah, it's you can get a little ridiculous. Um, but that, those are the stuff I would choose. What, do you have any uh, other ad- additions, Orion? Sort of bouncing off both of your stuff. Um, definitely if you're going College of Valor, College of Swords, one of the more melee-based ones, you could take Polearm Master, Great Weapon Master, 
duelist, defensive duelist, just, you know, really build up on those martial feats. Maybe even take martial adept if you want some, like, if you want some extra things to roll. Um, if you're focusing more on spellcasting, warcaster, magic initiate to take an extra dip in some stuff, or to take an extra dip, to snag a couple other spells that you might want. I'm pretty sure um, bo- both Valor and Swords get proficiency with medium armor, so maybe medium armor expert is uh, the way to go there. Mm-hmm. But yes. Generally, and... yeah, you can build your bard however you want. Thank, thank you for reminding me of Warcaster, because that's another I'd say is a must-have for bards, because bards have a lot of concentration spells, and just having advantage on concentration checks is glorious. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I think we've covered this fairly well enough. Let's move on to our level five ability, Font of Inspiration. Beginning when you finish a fifth, once you're beginning at fifth level, you regain all your expended uses of Bardic Inspiration when you finish a short or long rest. So now you're even more inclined to short rest with your warlock and your fighter, and you're just going to use your song of rest more. It synergizes fairly well. It's the kind of thing you'd expect at this level. I I. I have I have real issues with like with the feats that or not the feats the abilities that are going to give you more a, a use out of your ability, but when at like the capstone and stuff like that, um, which the bard does have, and I will we will get to that later. But I I think I really I really do appreciate it when it's at, at these like lower levels and it's just like it's not anything in your face. It's just like a oh okay I don't I don't need to worry about my bardic inspiration for the day anymore. I just need to worry about between rests. Yep. So Can I it's talk about nice the to have level and lets you go wild. Indeed you may. This is the thing that I... So if you were going to replace this, I believe that you could replace it with Inspiring Leader and you would have a great ability. This this is my least favorite ability in the game. Just, just a fun fact. I even forgot that this was a bard ability. I never knew that I had this when I was playing. Like when I was playing my bard, I didn't know this was a thing. For some reason, yeah. I thought this was a spell. <laughs> so, anyways, John, tell me about Counter Charm. Yeah, Counter Charm. Uh, it's fantastic. At sixth level, you gain the ability to use musical notes or words uh, words of power to disrupt mind influencing effects. As an action, you can start a performance that lasts until the end of your next turn. During that time. You and any friendly creatures within 30 feet if you have advantage on saving throws against being frightened or charmed. A creature must be able to hear you to gain this benefit. The performance ends early if you are incapacitated or silenced, or if you have to voluntarily end it. Uh, No action required. Now, just let me talk about how bad this is just because of that one word, the as in action. If there was a bonus action, I think it would be much, much better and much more usable. But what, why does this have to be a limit at all? Don't paladins give, in, or some paladins just give an aura that gives you advantage on this 100% of the time? Or well, they, 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 also give you, they also give you a flat bonus, which, depending on their charisma modifier, might just straight up be better than advantage. Uh, and they, they're giving you saves on not just Frightened and Charmed, uh, all saves. And they don't have to do anything to do it. I think the way, ways to fix it is either you either make it a bonus action... Or if you make it outright immune, and then I think it like it, it like straight up like or just make it inspiring leader. Yeah, like or 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 just take it out completely, like Orion says. <laughs> um, but 
but no, I think I think making it so it's like similar to like the Berserker Barbarian ability, where it's like when you go into rage, you're you suppress the frightened and charmed, even if you if you are when you're you you uh, start it in if you if someone tries to frighten and charm, you're just straight up immune. I think that's worth it because if you're if you're knowing you're going against a an opponent who's all about that, that's like okay, like. I, I'm willing to spend my action to make sure my party is completely immune to this, to their like gimmick, mm-hmm. which yeah. is so much. The better. one place I can, the one place I can see this being very useful is if your party's wandering the Feywild. Yes, play counter charm all the at time. That, yeah, but at that point, you are going to have a bunch of party members. Well, if you're playing alongside a paladin, or I'm pretty sure there are some other classes that we may have talked about that have charm suppressing charm suppressing features as well it's a pretty common yeah. thing at this level at this level something that is warding specifically mm-hmm. against charm and frighten so yeah you're gonna have a lot of stuff like making this sort of mediocre yeah no and the fact that it only lasts one turn as well and at its advantage of course they might fail you might be pressured to continue your counter charm and now you're just eating up your turns if you're doing that every single turn the Feywild, i'm sorry but maybe it's better that the bard doesn't join you. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you hire a bard just for that. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Use that's all, a good DM. Use hook. a bunch of your spare. Use a bunch of your spare gold. Since let's be honest, players don't spend their gold on anything. So just use all your spare gold. Hire a bard to bring along with you to just say no. You are protecting us. Yeah. So yeah. But moving on to one of the favored i guess yeah probably one of the most favored abilities that you can find magical secrets yeah we're we're making we're going from probably the worst ability of the game to probably the best ability in the game mm-hmm. no question it's all gabe, over you want to tell me gabe do you want to tell me about our 10th level ability magical secrets by 10th level you have plundered knowledge magical knowledge from a wide spectrum of disciplines choose two spells from any class including this one a spell you choose must be of any level you can, of a level you can cast as shown on the bard table or a cantrip. The chosen spell counts as bard spells for you and are included in the number of spells known in, uh, uh, in the number of spells known column of the bard table. Uh, and then you get two more at 14th and 18th level. So yeah, this opens up an amazing amount of options. Uh, I think cough, I think cough, it's a blatant copyright infringement on other classes. Yeah, you basically you you basically. Uh, you take their stuff. They they you file off the serial number real quick, and then you you it's yours now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's it allows for some really really cool combos to be set up, um, and uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. I think I I think where it, you it it's not a, enough to be like a crutch almost. It's I would use this to support your what your art what you already have going on because if. You know, if you're like, oh, I'm a mainly support bard, and then you're like, but I'm gonna take fireball with my magical secrets. It's like, well, you might, you might have gotten more use out of taking something a little different that's going to help you. You maybe know, help a non-concentration support yeah. spell. Yeah, non-concentration. Maybe, uh, maybe if you're like higher level, higher level ma- magical secrets, maybe you want to take mind blank or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that we also have to remember is one of my favorite things about this. I had the combat bard that I might get into a little bit later, Bard of Swords. Yeah, we're going to get into it. Yeah. John and I have very differing opinions on this. We have a feud, but um, 
you get access to fifth level spells from paladins and rangers. And let's just talk about how crazy that is real quick. Circle of Power is evasion for all magic, and Destructive Wave is Destructive Wave. I don't think I have to go any further on that. Mm -hmm. No, no question that this is a, a great, like, a really, really amazing ability. I think it just becomes, it's, the fact that, the fact that you can choose any two spells, it lures people into like a sense of like I can do anything, but you 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 still are, you still have a you limited amount a of spells. You still have a limited amount of stuff you can do with. It has its magic secrets has its limits. Is all I'm trying to say. Fan, fantastic ability. Would it's it's ridiculous. It makes me go what the hell every time I look at it. Um, but I do. I I I think respecting its limits will. Uh, improve your Dungeons and Dragons playing experience. I would have to agree, given that I was one of the players who pushed its limits, and John let me. Yes. Um, <laughs> by allowing me to get four attacks in one round, dealing more damage than the monk, and doing more attacks than the monk at a range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. just the possibilities are potentially endless to your build. There is that asterisk mm -hmm. on there. However, once we do get into one of the subclasses uh, in a couple minutes here, we will have a little more to say about Magical Secrets. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. But at the at the, that is all we get until our capstone ability. Let, no. Let me, let me do the thing where I, I make a funny voice about a really bad ability. <laughs> all right. All right, Gabe. Tell me about tell me about this capstone ability. Superior inspiration. At twentieth level, you've reached the height of bardiness. You're playing music at, out of your ass. It's happening all the time. Fireballs are raining from everywhere. You've you're so cool. You can do all this crazy shit. And at twentieth level, when you roll initiative and you have no uses of bardic inspiration left, you regain one use. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So my advice to <laughs> anyone running a bard in a level twenty campaign: be a level nineteen bard and then take a level in like sorcerer or paladin. It's not worth it. <laughs> it's so, mm -hmm. it's so bad. I I think everybody listeners of the podcast will know I despise abilities that the capstone abilities that are specifically designed to increasing uh uh the longevity of of an adventuring day like that are giving you more uses of an ability like especially like on initiative and stuff like that's so, like it just it's a lower tier ability that you're putting at that top tier and it's just it just doesn't fly <laughs> mm -hmm. this is by far yeah. my least favorite capstone ability mm -hmm. there there are some bad ones we've we've gone I through them all we could we could spend a lot of time talking about how bad this is but I think you get the point. It is crap. Go to if you if you really care about that last ASI, go to level nineteen. If not, maybe go to level eighteen for that last magical secret to take a two level dip in something else. Yeah, this is the one yeah. time where you say that multiclassing is something that you'd want to do. Yeah, uh, no, but, there's a couple uh, times where we've said if it. If you're a, a quote unquote power gamer, yeah, I mean, not it, even a power gamer. If you just don't want to be crap. Yeah, we 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 say that a lot about like when there's a lot of bad capstones out there. There's, mm -hmm. I'm, I can't I can't remember them all because I'm a big dumb 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 and uh, such as warlock but... begging for your sugar daddy to give you more spell slots. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can always just go yeah. to rogue get another skill. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'd probably recommend that. Some but more expertise. Anyways, overall thoughts on the base bard class. 
I, I mean, it's, it's hard. It's a solid class. It's a really solid class. Uh, I think it, the counter charm in the counter charm and superior inspiration are major pitfalls. Um, which it almost knocks. Uh, if counter charm and superior inspiration were better, I think I think that the bard would be just be like, why, why would everybody be like, why aren't you playing a bard every time? Because because <laughs> they are really good. There is a really solid class, and the, and the so much like the magical secrets and. All the other stuff that you get before counter charm, um, they're all solid enough where they it makes it makes them acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, jack of all trades, expertise, and magical secrets all just guarantee that the bard is going to be the best uh, utility player. And their tagline, of course, is jack of all trades. That's ended with master of none. I'd say the bard has mastered utility. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, I think you guys have summed it up fairly well. So let's go ahead and jump back to level three and talk about going to college. Starting oh, yeah. off with probably, I, I'd have to say this is probably the fan favorite. Yeah, do you like bards? Colleges. Let's add some bard to your bard. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Add some more bard to your bard. This is the College of Lore. Basically, this is your storyteller. This is the guy who's hanging out in the library, learning all that useless information to play on trivia. And... You know, starting at third level, you gain three more proficiencies. Oh, it's so good. If you didn't think you mm-hmm. had enough proficiencies before, this is... Get some proficiencies on your proficiencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just just learn more. Which, you know, I feel like it makes sense. Your lore, you're learning how to do more stuff, so it, it works. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, John, uh, tell me about cutting words. Yeah, so cutting words is an ability that, unfortunately, I, as a lore bard, though uh, sharp-tongued and uh, sharp-witted, very much so neglected. At third level, you learn to use your wit to distract, confuse, and, well, otherwise sap the confidence and competence of others. When a creature that you can see within 60 feet of you makes an attack roll, an ability check, or a damage roll, you can use your reaction to expend one of your uses of bardic inspiration. Rolling a bardic inspiration die and subtracting the number rolled from each or from the creature's roll. You can choose to use this feature after the creature makes its roll, but before the DM determines whether the attacker ability check uh, succeeds or fails, or before the creature deals its damage. The creature is immune if it can't hear you, or is immune to being charmed. So, unfortunately, uh, some of those fey, you're probably not going to use it that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Important to remember, this is not saving throws. So, um, it, it which it doesn't mean it's a, it, it's a bad ability. I think this is really a solid ability, Those especially at third level. Rolls. Yeah, the damage rolls might at third right away at third level. I can see myself using it sometimes because that because your your d six might really really cut take the edge off of that uh, off of that damage. But I think it's more better used to make sure they fail uh, like their grapple check or they they miss on the unattack so i actually didn't know that this did not affect saving throws for some reason i thought it did <laughs> i didn't know that yeah, no, i was just thinking rolls. it along the line i guess i was thinking <laughs> it along the lines of normal bardic inspiration usage so yeah yeah but i do like the image the imagery of a low level like just low level maybe first dungeon someone's running up to the bard getting ready to smack them they roll, they hit, and then the bard does cutting words, and it does no damage. I love that imagery. The goblin runs yeah, you, up to him. Um, Club, raised over his head. They lose all confidence in their swing, and it's just sort of, like, 
they, they just they just didn't have it in them. They you just you mm-hmm. insulted their mother so badly. They just were like, mm-hmm. "Wow, I really need to rethink my life." <laughs> yeah. The swing, the swing had no cart, kid. <laughs> yeah, I save these for if you know that uh, something that you're fighting is going to be rolling high for attack rolls, or you really need a grapple check to go through, or a pin check to go through, or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, simple and highly effective. But anyways, um, at uh, sixth level, you're gonna get additional magical secrets. So that other that other stuff we talked about, how it's like the best ability in the game. Well, you're getting more now. You're and you're at an earlier level. In fact, um, at sixth level, you learn two spells from your of your choice from any class. Yada yada yada. It's you, it's the same thing. It's just you get more. Um, and uh, I think I think the fact that it, this hits at sixth level really is really really helpful because that's right at the level where you're getting like you would normally have you have like third level spells for kind of your cap um whereas like 10th if you're waiting till 10th level with the other bards you have you have to choose from uh the really the third fourth and fifth level spells which all have really good spells from all the classes and stuff so this is really at a really nice place in your progression and one oh, thing yeah. i want to add to that is unlike base magical secrets these two magical secrets do not count towards your spell list which means if you are a lore bard you can know up to 24 spells at max. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good point. Thanks for adding that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, who doesn't want more things in their repertoire to mess with their DM or other players? Because if you're a bard, you gotta mess with your you gotta mess with your party sometimes. Yes. Let's be honest. But fairly simple. Moving on to our lore bard capstone, we have level 14, peerless skill. Starting at level 14, you. When you make an ability check, you can expend one use of Bardic Inspiration, roll the Bardic Inspiration die, and add that number to your ability check. You can use to do so after you roll the die for the ability check, but before the DM tells you whether you succeed or fail, you can give yourself Bardic Inspiration, basically. Yeah. it's it's. I don't think it's going to come in to play all that often, but you'll notice it when it comes to it. It's going to be a clutch situation when you use this, like when you really need to succeed. <laughs> so uh, this is just for ability checks. Yeah, for ability check, I, I I I'm aware of that. It's like, but like, perhaps you need, you're trying to navigate like a really hyper deadly trap or something like that, and you it's like you need, or um, I don't know, at, at 14th level, maybe this isn't something this crazy has happened, but like, you know, high level play, like the, the earth is ripping apart, and you need to make that jump to get to your your party and your friends and stuff like that, and you've you've rolled short, and you're like. Well, because, gotta... of course, the Barbarian left you on the other side. <laughs> yeah, because, of course, the Barbarian's like, I'm, I'm going over here. I can jump this dude. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you really need to make that athletics check or something like that. Or um, you really, like, it's a key moment in court and you, uh, you're you trying to convince the king and sway the 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 nobles to your cause. And you, you just you gotta roll... push it a little more. Yeah, you roll that dice. You, you Even with your expertise and whatnot and the skill, it just comes up, up a little short and you're like... And you just yeah, you gotta add that extra die, and uh, a lot of times be the little bump you need to to make it. Yeah, of course. When you pair this with expertise, it gets nuts because if you've maxed out charisma by this point, you have a plus fifteen to uh, persuasion and all of that. You can just add another one d ten on that. Why not? Let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, for just just in case, you never know. Yeah, absolutely. But overall thoughts on the College of Lore. It's more bard with your bard. Yeah, yeah. I think we already kind of covered it. 
I'd say it's the most vanilla of these bards. Some of these get into some uh, very nice uh, subtleties. And Okay, they're not subtle at all. But if you want to have just a nice first-time bard experience, this is what I would recommend. Yeah, it's a really good generic class or subclass. Yep. Moving Which is into our next college of choice, we have the College of Valor. Gabe, do you want to tell me about bonus proficiencies and first third level ability? Yeah, sure. Uh, you get when you join the College of Valor at third level, you gain proficiency with medium armor, shields, and martial weapons, and then uh, uh, you also gain combat inspiration. At, also at third level, you learn to inspire others in battle. A creature that has bardic inspiration from your die can roll that die to add the number uh, rolled to uh, to a weapon damage roll it just made. Alternatively, when an uh, attack roll is made against the creature, it can use its reaction to roll the Bardic Inspiration die and add the number rolled to its AC against the attack after seeing the roll, but knowing, uh, but before knowing whether it hits or misses. So you can add your you can add your Bardic Inspiration to damage or AC, which uh, I see I see AC is probably the way to go here. Maybe you're, I don't know if you're uh, that uh, that D10 or whatever you're rolling is going to be really worth it in the end. Uh, I think it's more valuable to make turn a miss into a hit or in or a hit into a miss um, but i really like this yeah. ability i really like the kind of the I, I don't i definitely don't think it's as potent as college of lore uh in terms of the actually I'll, I'll hold off my thoughts till the end of the the mm -hmm. the class description but uh, i see this as you've officially become like the war trumpeteer or the war drummer yeah, with bonus proficiencies, you got you got the the gear and stuff like that. And you the extra hardiness um, to kind of hang out with the your melee combatants, but you're you got the uh, you have the worthwhile stuff <laughs> abilities that will really help them in combat. Mm -hmm. Now this is a bit modern, but a flavor that I really like to say about this. You're saying the frontline war drummer and all that. Let's go back mm -hmm. to like the 1700s. We're talking the American Revolutionary War or something. You've got your flautist marching in the middle of the battlefield. They're doing <laughs> yeah. some nice control with all the buffs and debuffs, and then they just pull up their sidearm and shoot someone in the face. That's that's essentially what you're <laughs> getting with yeah. Part of Valor. Oh yeah, absolutely. One arm flute, one arm pistol. Yeah, <laughs> I I really love that image actually. <laughs> mm -hmm. just, so yeah, boom. Um. Moving on to 6th level, you get extra attack. It's extra attack. Moving on. Yeah. Battle magic. But I guess talk about talk about a, a sec. Um, there are like some subclasses will give you extra attack. So, you know, this really does support you being a martial class. A semi-martial yeah. class. Now moving on. John, tell me about battle magic. Yeah, battle magic. We've got our valor capstone here. Uh, at 14th level, you've mastered the art of weaving spell casting and weapon into a single harmonious act. When you use your action to cast a bard spell, you can make one weapon attack as a bonus action. This is great if you, uh, you know, are a combat bard. But if you're doing more... Okay, what am I saying? As Valor, you should be a combat bard. But if you're looking Yeah, you're at up doing... in the mix. Hmm? I said, yeah, you're up in the mix. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of something else real quick. Let me reset here. Um, this okay. is great... Swap out your uh, healing word instantly because you're going to be a frontline combatant. You can now do a cure wounds and then do an attack. That's that's what I'm trying to say with that. Oh yeah. Overall thoughts on College of Valor, Gabe. I believe you wanted to say something. 
yeah, I really like that this uh, this subclass or subclass gives you all the abilities and features that you need to kind of be able to hang with hang with the big dogs, um, but also you know have that have the stuff that they need to to really help them succeed. And um, you know whether the combat inspiration will I think come into play a lot. Adding a D10 to your uh, to uh, a critical attack that's kind of coming out at them um, to their AC for a critical attack that's coming at them uh, is a, a huge thing. Um, the battle magic works really well because you're going to be, because uh, one of the big things about playing like a melee focused bard is like, okay, you're in the melee, but now you need to you need to, need to choose to cast a spell or hit with your weapon, and th- that might be a hard choice. Um, and so with battle magic, you don't have to choose really; you can do both. Why not both? If you're going to play uh-huh. College of Valor Bard, I recommend if you're playing a feats campaign, take Warcaster and Sentinel. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. Th- those are really good feats, yeah. Moving on from our College of Valor into Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Next, we are going to talk about... Da, 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 where is it? Uh, yep, next we're going to talk about our College of Glamour. I love this one. <laughs> talk about our pretty boys. Our pretty boys. Well, uh, well, uh, this sort of fey-influenced uh, subclass starts off at third level with Mantle of Inspiration. When you join the College of Glamour at third level, you gain to the ability to weave an, a song of fey magic that imbues your allies with vigor and speed. As a bonus action, you can expend one use of your bardic uh, uh, inspiration to grant yourself a wondrous appearance. When you do so, choose a number of creatures you can see that uh, that can see you within 60 feet of you up to a number uh, equal to your charisma modifier, minimum of one. Each of them gains five temporary hit points, and when, when a creature gains these temporary hit points, they can immediately use their, its reaction to move up to its speed without pro- provoking opportunity cla- uh, attacks. Um, and the temporary hit points increases with your Bardic Inspiration die. Uh, eighth at eight hit points at fifth level, eleven hit points at tenth level, and fourteen hit points at fifteenth level. A nice little a nice little buffer for you, and uh, I think this is easily overlooked. With the ability to move your your player your party members around, is so good, <laughs> especially not on their turn without them really having to worry about. Um, like getting hit like you need you need your barbarian to be in in a better position so they can attack the big bad guy bam it's done and at the same time you can also have your wizard who's been ganked by a bunch of goblins you can uh and give it to them too and then they can get out of dodge so it's uh in in your monk they can basically run you know do a lap around the whole room and then and still be where they need to be now <laughs> as a dm that's been on the receiving side of mantle inspiration a couple times um, I look at it from a player standpoint, like, oh, this is awesome. I look at it from a DM uh, standpoint, like, curses! Oh, I had a movement plan and a battle of the plan. Just, I was going to attack you. I was going to attack you. Now you've got everyone moving. Gabe, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> it is such... I, I really like this ability, being able to... Especially because we always... A lot of times we'll we'll end up, like, short, and we'll be like... We'll, everybody will have to end their turn, like, sort of looking at the other the other people, just like, I see you over there. <laughs> just... Um, mm-hmm. And being able to get everybody where they need to be is is something uh, will, that will always come in handy. And I think, it's, I think it's a little underestimated, but... Definitely, if you have the opportunity to move people around the battlefield, just do it. Just do I it, mean... yeah. You can have a setup where you chuck your barbarian in the middle of a bunch of goblins or something. Probably mm-hmm. not goblins for this case, but and mantle of inspiration, get them out. Next turn, a wizard drops fireball on them. Yeah. It's very good to help get everyone 
set up quickly for a plan if those ever actually work out in D anD D, or just you know get some sort of tactics pulled off. Yeah, and then uh, and then at third, I'm gonna make John read the other third level ability because this is also the bane of his existence. It's not the bane of my existence. It's just I don't know how to idolize you, Gabe. Um, it, I find it yeah. difficult at times. It just, John, I just want you to talk about how great I am all the time. Yeah. This is why, that's why I chose the subclass, really. So, yeah, I'm going to read this real quick, and then I'm going to share my thoughts. Um, starting at third level, you can charge your performance with seductive fate magic. If you perform for at least one minute, you can attempt to inspire wonder in your audience by singing, reciting a poem, or dancing. At the end of this performance, choose a number of humanoids within 60 feet of you who watched or listened to all of it up to a number to your charisma modifier. Each target must succeed a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC or be charmed by you. While charmed in this way, the target idolizes you, it speaks glowingly of you to anyone who talks to it, uh, and it hinders anyone who opposes you, although it avoids violence unless it is already inclined to fight on your behalf. This effect ends on the target after one hour, and if it takes any damage or you attack it, or its witnesses uh, you attacking or damaging any of its allies. If a target succeeds on the saving throw, the target has no hint that you tried to charm it. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short or long rest. Now, Gabe, I love your uses for this. I, I love how creative they can be. However, you cannot expect to foil my plans and then have me as a DM instantly transition to idolizing you. Yeah, I, I believe I, he can expect that, actually. <laughs> I think it says uh, pretty clearly right in the feature that, yes, it, do, it does exactly that. It means, <laughs> I mean, it says right there, it says John has to change his plants and start and start being really nice to you. <laughs> now, I, I don't know if you guys talk a lot about campaigns here, but specifically last night, he used it in a glowing way to pretty much just disarm <laughs> a village and then fight basically what was the bad guy at this point one on Peter down in three turns just yeah we were beautifully yeah, putting they... things into perspective yeah it was a it, it was a it was a bit of a womp <laughs> although i almost You're died welcome, John. but uh a lot of you almost died but basically enthralling performance very nice another feature that you regain on a short or long rest so if you're playing a political campaign or just a no, a more talky-talky-to-people campaign and less of a stabby-stabby-people campaign. This is a very, like, this is very nice. But even if you are playing a stabby-stabby-people campaign, it's still really nice. Just get creative with it and use it literally all the time. And the simple fact is, once you kind of, like, really take in the the wording of the target idolizes you and it speaks glowing of you, anyone who talked to it and hinders anybody who opposes you, the amount of stuff you can get away with it it really is a lot. It's a lot, really, because the way I see it is like if your if your favorite rock star or whatever, like I don't know, favorite YouTuber, whatever, whatever you want, someone you idolize, someone your you think is amazing. Hosts. If your podcast, if we came to you and we said, and you, we know that you are, you idolize us. So if we came to you and said, I don't know, can we walk your dog? You 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 do it. <laughs> You'd be like, mm -hmm. yes. Oh my gosh, it's it's you, Gabe. And, uh, and I'd be, and be like, I need to walk your dog. And you'd be like, 
Absolutely. Actually, um, that's exactly what you did with the goblin earlier this campaign. <laughs> that's kind Since of why I did. made that point. So, um, yeah, have fun with it. I think that sums up enthralling performance fairly well. Mm-hmm. We have less to say on the, the other uh, two abilities because we haven't gotten to it yet. <laughs> yes. Moving on to level six of Mantle of Majesty. You gain the ability to cloak yourself in a fey magic that makes others want to serve you. As a bonus action, you can cast command without expending a spell slot, and you take on an appearance of an unearthly beauty for one minute or until your concentration ends, as if you were concentrating on the spell. During this time, you can cast command as a bonus action on each of your turns without expending a spell slot. Any creature charmed by you automatically fails its saving throw against command, well, against the command you cast with this feature. Once this feature, once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. So, I love these kind of abilities that stack very well with your previous abilities. This stacks very well with enthralling performance. Basically, you just get like you have one minute out of those, like, out of those sixty minutes or so that you have those people charmed to just issue commands and just keep going. Just yeah, and you can. It, the command spell is a little is a little limited in its scope, um, but it's still you can still do a lot <laughs> with uh, it. Um, Gabe, you are creative. I am dreading leveling you up. Question: <laughs> If you charm the barkeeper and just call out ale, is yes. that could you consider that a command? <laughs> Unfortunately, me ale. as a DM, if you said ale or serve or drink, yes, the the bartender would in fact give you a drink if he was charmed by you. Okay, I'm writing this down. If you run my businesses into the ground, there will be consequences. I'm running. Okay, run. but John, what if your favorite Note. rock star? What if run. what if we came up to you and John's ran your business into the ground, but you loved taverns. us? Uh, into. Unfortunately, I can't hear you over Gabe and his notes. Ground. That's fine. Basically, with it's a it, command. You get one minute to do what to do a lot of stuff t- with your charmed people. It's fairly simple. Ten drinks. I guess moving on to our capstone for this. John, you want to tell me about Unbreakable Majesty? Ah, sure. At 14th level, your appearance permanently gains another worldly aspect that makes you look more lovely and fierce. In addition, as a bonus action, you can assume a magically... Oh, I don't like that wording. A magically majestic presence for one minute or until you are incapacitated. For the duration, whenever any creature tries to attack you for the first time on a turn, the attacker must make a charisma saving throw against your spell save DC. On a failed save, it can't attack you on this turn unless you choose a new target for you, uh, for its attack, or the attack is wasted. On a successful save, it can attack on this turn, but has disadvantage on any saving throw it makes against your spells on the next turn. Once you assume this majestic presence, you can't do any, uh, you can't do so again to finish a short and long rest. This is sanctuary but better yeah mm-hmm. you don't have to, yeah you don't have to you, you don't have any penalties for attacking or anything like that and if, even if they do succeed they still kind of fail it's yeah it's great that is a good capstone ability mm-hmm. i really like this subclass it's kind of why i chose it overall thoughts on the college of glamour if you are in a roleplay setting, and sometimes even in, a, I'd say, a limited combat setting, go wild. I already know Gabe is. If you want to flip your hair and have sparkles fly everywhere, then yeah, that, yeah, you that better works. bring you better bring an extra uh, large bag of glitter everywhere you go. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you extra have large bag right of glitter, now. extra small shirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. Anyways, moving on to, I think, John's favorite. Oh, the yes. The College of Swords. Starting off, you get bonus proficiencies in uh, medium armor and the scimitar. For some reason, not just martial weapons. I think it's kind of weird, but okay. If you're proficient with simple with a simple or martial melee, melee weapon, you can use it as a spellcasting focus for your bard spells. I, I want to say something about that real quick. Um, okay. The scimitar. There's one image that's gone in my head that entire time that kind of explains it to me. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that you guys have seen Disney's Aladdin, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so at the very beginning of the movie, we have... Basically, what would be a decent example of a Bard of Swords, uh, instantly, during one jump, um, he kind of bumps into a sword swallower, who's got a scimitar down his throat. That's that's it. That's the reason why I think it's a scimitar, not like a broadsword or a greatsword. That would make sense. Like, sort I, do, of that I do see the style, I, do see I the guess. Finesse, yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyways, also at third level, you get your choice of two fighting styles between dueling and two-weapon fighting. Basically, you can either be good at one weapon or holding two weapons and finally for third level you get your main featured the blade flourish i love this john do you want to talk about this one yeah the blade flourish is kind of the entire reason i love this class at third level you learn to perform impressive delays of martial prowess and speed and if you take the attack action on your turn your walking speed increases by 10 feet until the end of the turn and if a weapon attack that uh you make as part of the action hits a creature, you can use one of the following blade flourishes uh, options to your choice. You can only choose one blade flourish option per turn. Um, I'm going to say my favorite last. So going on to slashing flourish, you can expend one use of your bardic inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target you hit and to any other creature of your choice that you can see within five feet of you. The damage uh, equals the number you roll on your Bardic Inspiration die. Mobile Flourish. You can expend one of your Bardic Inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target you hit. Uh, The damage equals the number you roll on your Bardic Inspiration die. You can also push the target up to 5 feet away from you, plus the number of feet equal to the number you roll on that die. You can then immediately use your reaction to move up to your walking speed, which is now 40, to an unoccupied space within five feet of the target. And defensive flourish. You can expend one use of your bardic inspiration to cause the weapon to deal extra damage to the target you hit. The damage equals the number you roll on the bardic inspiration die. You also add the number rolled to your AC until the start of your next turn. The reason why I love defensive flourish is it's that you get to add to your AC bonus that the Valor Bard gets, but considering you're also adding damage, I think leagues better. I have my opinions about this. I'm going to, I'm going to save them for the, for the uh, end of the description. Oh, I know you do. Mm-hmm. So that's the end of the flourish section. Yeah. Basically you have three choices for like every, every round and just, you know, pick your poison. If you want to do stuff, then you have stuff to do. Very, very good explanation. Gabe, what? Gabe, yeah, move on. Oh boy, at 6th level, you get extra attack. Uh... <laughs> it's extra attack. Moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what's the capstone? 
the Capstone's Master's Flourish. Starting at 14th level, whenever you use a Blade Flourish option, uh, you can u roll a d6 and use it instead of expending the Bardic Inspiration die, which is appreciated because it is because uh, it it's Blade Flourish is very uh, inspiration hungry. So, which which brings me into my criticism of this class of this subclass. I I think I think it's decept it's deceptive because the Bard is on its own a fantastic class that it's it, it's sort of this specialization I, the main problem i have is it's really really selfish and I, I think the the whole point of playing a bard is to play somebody who's buffing your allies and stuff and the fact that your your inspiration is just going down the drain with with the uh well not necessarily down the drain but you're 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 gonna be burning it really quickly with the the flourishes means that you are you are sort of hindering yourself specializing that one of the bard's greatest strengths is in its versatility and by specializing in one thing you're taking away that strength of versatility now you raise an excellent point there so i i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's bad i don't i really i really don't think it's bad i just think i would rather me personally i would rather play a like the college of valor if i wanted to be like upfront in personal because i really want when I'm coming to the bard, I really want to be somebody who's helpful to other people, um, and and not not by buffing myself. I just my bard. I rarely find myself. I don't really cast any spells on myself. I'm just I want to I want to get everybody else in a in a better position. And I think it's sort of the the College of Swords sort of fails at that. John, your rebuttal. You raise you raise good points there. I. I would agree from that standpoint, but the standpoint that I've had with the College of Swords kind of agrees with yours. It is a selfish class, and if you are planning on making a Swords Bard, do not be prepared to help your friends as much. You will still have support spells and all that. Um, at level 10, getting the aforementioned uh, Circle of Power is a great buff for everyone involved. But the thing that I really love about this is you're still a bard you still get all those bard spells you still get your magical secrets you get that defensive flourish that uh especially at 14 which never fully expends if you use the d6 you can get magical secrets with shield shield of faith etc and just keep raising that ac up to a point where you're kind of untouchable because depending on how you go about things uh like i did if you take foresight at level nine Nothing's going to hit you because they have a disadvantage to hit you anyway. Yeah, that's see, why I, DMs decide to just make you do saves instead. Yeah, yeah that's, that's where the where, circle of power comes in. Uh, that this is this is kind of where I, I kind of I, I, like the circle of power. Yes, it's but like the the AC argument is it's sort of you're you're burning up a lot of stuff and you are I and you're you're using a lot of abilities to get that absurd AC. And even with, even after you've like gotten ridiculous and surpassed 30, there are monsters that can still with a, with a decent role can still achieve that in a higher level play. Um, not to mention, not to mention uh, just monsters that are like a dragon. That's just going to soar over you and breathe fire down or, you know, I, I don't, like I said, not, not saying it's bad, not saying it's not fun. Just saying, it's it's not <laughs> you it's not a I usual think, bard I, th 
I think you could I think you could I think you can blind yourself with the 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 AC and like all this other stuff and leave yourself vulnerable to other uh, methods of attack. Here's here's what I have to say about the Bard of Swords at the end of the day. As far as the intention of Bard goes, it is the worst. But if you want to be a damage dealing uh, attack evading spell dodging nova uh, I would sooner choose a Bard of Swords owner over every Eldritch Knight, and quite frankly, personal preference, you guys will most certainly not agree over any Warlock. I mean, that's that's fine. I, we're not we're not yep, Warlock. We're own. not Warlock simps here. We're, we'll, we'll take that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> I, I guess in the end, what I'm trying to say is, I see the Bard of Swords not as a subclass of Bard, but as its own class altogether. Okay, that's fine. Whatever you I want still to say. Di- I Anyways. still disagree. But uh, well, we can we can move on. <laughs> yes, this will, Anyways, this will go on way on too long. To our... We debate this forever. <laughs> yeah, on no, to we our... can... Shut we up, please. Circles. Thank you. Moving on to our final college, we have the College of Whispers. This is your rip-off rogue. Um, starting off with third level, you get Psychic Blades. When you join the College of Whispers, you gain the ability to make your weapon attacks magically toxic a creature's mind. When you hit a creature with a weapon attack, you can expand one of your Bardic Inspirations to deal two extra 2d6 extra psychic damage to the target you can only do so once per round it's rip off sneak attack psychic damage increases with certain levels of the class 3d6 at level 5 5d6 at level 10 and 8d6 at level 15 if you want to continue to use those bardic inspirations on yourself and sort of deal more damage and stabby stabby stuff and hurt their minds then you know it's good yeah this kind of for me receives the same criticism from the college of swords it's very it's very selfish it sort of fails at being a bard yeah um, where the college sense. of swords is the i'm gonna call it the ripoff fighter um the college of whispers is the definitely the ripoff rogue yeah yeah absolutely i do think that the flourish gets more use out of psychic blades though because that only lasts an attack much like the sneak attack rather than the entire round so, I, I yeah. mean, at that point, if you wanted to do that Nova damage uh, with the, the Psychic Blades, I'd say just take Shadow Blade as a magical secret and put it on a Bard of Valor, because you're going to get advantage in Dim or Dark, and, well, once you start up casting it, you're getting some real good damage. And sure, you can synergize this with the uh, Psychic Blades, but it's very expensive. Anyways, moving on to our other third level ability, which I really love. John, tell me about... Words of Terror. Yeah, at third level you learn to infuse innocent-seeming words with an insidious magic that can inspire terror. You speak to a humanoid alone for at least one minute, and you can attempt to seed paranoia in its mind. At the end of the conversation, the target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC, or be frightened of you and another creature of your choice. The target is finished in this, uh, sorry, target is frightened in this way for one hour until it has been attacked or damaged, or until it witnesses its allies being attacked or damaged. If the target succeeds on a saving throw, uh, the target has no hint that you tried to frighten it. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a short or a long rest. I'd say if we want to continue with this uh, discount rogue uh, jargon here, we could say that this is just a very particular, very magical way of using Thieves' Cant. Just nobody's going to understand you. Oh no, I love this ability. I think that you. Oh, I. I think I you agree. can get. Uh, this is just. There's a lot of you have to get creative with it, and um, I think, 
I've I've seen I've seen some criticisms of it where it's like, well, how often is it going to come? You have to sort of you have to find yourself in a situation. I think if you're playing this sort of bard, you can you should be be ready to manufacture the situations that are going to come in mm-hmm. come where this comes into play and like make it you know because you can't just be like well where when is this going to fall into my hands uh you know <laughs> um and just really uh but at, go out and make it happen um but there's so much in like an intrigue style campaign there's a lot you can make somebody who is you know make like a no one noble scared of another and and so that you will you could have one noble scared of another so that they'll agree with what you're saying because you're you're opposing that no. It's like yeah, don't 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 vote for, don't go with what he's saying. You, you're he, he knows your dark secret or whatever. You know, you're scared mm-hmm. of them. And you can also go the obvious route. And for this example, I'm going to do the forbidden, uh, you know, party and have two bards. Let's say a lore bard and a wisp Nutty. bard. And now you can just play the ultimate good cop bad cop. <laughs> yes, you absolutely. Well, you could can. also do that with the paladin. Paladin as well. <laughs> but I think that if you're playing a Whisper Bard, treat Words of Terror, treat it like your enthralling performance. Use it as often as you can. Like, sure, it says you have to speak with them alone. That doesn't mean you have to be alone in a room with them. I could imagine you calling over the barkeeper and just holding him up there for a minute and just start sort of, just sort of leaning close to him and just, you know, have a small one-on-one conversation then for the rest of the night he's looking over his shoulder at you yeah just pull people aside the perfect mafia Mm -hmm. ability oh absolutely moving on to our six level ability we have mantle of whispers gabe you want to take this one yeah, at uh, 6th level, you gain the ability to adopt a humanoid's persona. When a humanoid dies within 30 feet of you, you can magically capture its shadow using your reaction. You gain, retain the shadow until you use it or finish a long rest. Uh, you can use the, the shadow as an action. When you do so, it vanishes, magically transforming into a dis- uh, disguise that appears on you. Uh, you now look like the dead person, but healthy and alive. Great. <laughs> this disguise lasts for one hour or until you end it as a bonus action. Uh, and then when you're in the disguise, you gain all access to information that the humanoid would freely share with a casual acquaintance. Such information might include general details on its background and personal life, um, but doesn't include uh, secrets. The information is enough that you that you can pass yourself off as a persona without drawing uh, as as the person by drawing on its memories. Another creature can see through this disguise by succeeding on a wisdom insight check, check contested by your charisma deception check. You gain a plus five bonus to this check. And then once you do this, you can't do it until you finish a short or long rest. Uh, yeah. This, this is, is creepy. It's so creepy. <laughs> the, the flavoring is great. It's dark. It's phenomenal. You're mixing disguised person with speak with dead, and I don't know how they thought of that, but I love this. Yeah. So I just had something come to mind. You could, in theory, kill someone, take their shadow, become them, then like learn the basic information about them go in do stuff with their life for a little bit come back out and then if you're a higher level raise dead or do something and just say you passed out for a while or you could mess up you can mess with a lot of stuff just take actor if you're going to be a uh, a college of whispers because passing off as a dead person especially if they're long deceased that advantage is going to be very nice. 
Yeah, or you can, yeah, you, you take actor, and then you probably have disguise self if you're the subclass anyways. But then after the, the hour lasts, try and really remember all the, like, the, the surface level memories, and then you can, you could try and have your, uh, maybe, maybe you're suffering at, you know, a, a, some other disadvantage. Um, it's not as potent as this ability, but, like, you can use disguise self to kind of keep it going, and, uh... Mm -hmm. And, you know, because it only because it does only last for an hour, so I see where it yeah. really kind of comes into play. Is like, you're you're you guys are infiltrating like a, a castle and stuff, and you you murder a guard quick, and then you take the shadow, and then you just waltz on through, just like, and they go, hey John, well how's <laughs> how's the how's the weather up at yeah, up at the house? And you go, oh it's good, you know how's how's the kids, and you know, and you can mm -hmm. kind of keep a casual conversation. I think we've made our thoughts fairly clear on that. Mm -hmm. And moving on to our capstone ability, we have at 14th level, Shadow Lore. You gain Shadow the ability lore. to weave dark magic into your words and tap into a creature's deepest fears. As an action, you can magically whisper a phrase that only one creature of your choice within 30 feet of you can hear. The target must make a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC. It automatically succeeds if it doesn't share the same language with you or it can't hear you. On a successful saving throw, your whispers sound like unintelligible mumblings and has no effect. But on a failed saving throw, the target is charmed by you for the next eight hours or until you or your allies attack it, damage it, or force it to, to make another saving throw. It interprets the whispers as a description of its most mortifying secret. You gain no knowledge of the secret, but the target is convinced you know it. The charmed creature obeys your commands for fear that you will reveal its secret. It won't risk its life for you or fight for you unless it was already inclined to do so. It grants you favors and gifts and it, it would offer to a close friend. When the effect ends, the creature has no understanding of why it held you in such fear. Once you use this feature, you can't use it again until you finish a long rest. Oh, I love this and it's a wonderful Whispers capstone ability. It just fits so well. Hey, do you just need a thrall for a day? Here you go. <laughs> yeah. And it's so creepy. Like, cause it's, you could really, if you, they change the flavor up, it's like, yeah, you charm them and they regard you as a close friend. That's cause that's what, what essentially is what happening. But like just the extra description, it's like, yeah, no, 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 they, they're not, it's not like they think you're their friend or anything. They think that, you know, something really, you got some major dirt on them, you, you know, um, May the propose something that would be great for this class. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're going to you're going to use this ability on someone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'd, I'd hope so. They're going to be deathly afraid that you know the secret. Now, if I remember right, read thoughts on surface level does not require a saving throw. Nope. Depending on how paranoid this person is, you can use this as a way to actually get their deepest fear out of them, their deepest secret. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would, I would, I would tread carefully um, as, as a DM, kind of tread carefully with that space in terms of how far you want to let that go, and and uh, and really who who it's you're inflicting this on. Maybe, I mean, definitely some peasant. Like you can, I, if if it's just some rando that you on the street, yeah, absolutely. Um, but maybe like maybe not the king or something like that. Maybe you can't get it out of the king that way. But maybe you, have, you maybe you have to do a little extra. Like they probably have more of a poker face or have more something to help like okay they know like they know about it they know about 
X, not what it is. Yeah, they're they're a little. And also, I mean, just from a gameplay standpoint, not just giving it away for free, <laughs> making mm-hmm. making your players work for it a little bit. As a DM, I'd say uh, make the likelihood that they would have this secret on the top of their mind based off of their wisdom score. If they're mm, paranoid, yeah. if they're not wise, they're probably going to be thinking about it a lot more than someone who is not wise, who is not very paranoid. Or, sorry, thinking mm-hmm. about it more than someone who is wise. Yeah, I totally see that. Something like a piece of flavor that I like is at the end, when the effect ends, the creature has no understanding of why it held you in such fear. It still acknowledges that it was deathly afraid of you, but it doesn't know why, and that might be more terrifying for it. <laughs> yeah. And with a high enough deception check, maybe, or intimidation, you can make that fear be whatever you want it to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, overall thoughts on the College of Whispers. I like it. Uh, yeah. I'm a guy who uh, really likes those more roleplay heavy classes. I really like the bard. I really like the rogue. Anything that's going to mix the two of them, I'm really going to like. I really like this in certain situations. I think because it is a, is a specific sort of subclass, um, you're not going to get you're not going to get as much use out of it because it's it's like it's just not going to straight up not going to work for all campaigns. A kick a kick down the door kind of dungeon crawl it's just not gonna work as well mm-hmm. which is okay you just don't play it for that kind of thing but like um intrigue like high stealth high that kind of stuff if you're playing water is... deep dragon heist then this is gonna yeah, be more useful oh yeah yes, you're gonna have absolutely. a you're gonna have a you're gonna have a, a total ball and i think yeah it's it, i would just use caution know what kind of campaign you're entering before you choose it it's it's a little more specific that's all yep i would have to agree I think out of all of them, this might actually be my favorite and my next bard that I'm going to play. Dep- of course, depending on the campaign style that we're doing, if we happen to replay Waterdeep Dragon Heist, I think I'll pull this out. But yeah, I just I love that. I love the dark. I just I love the darkness surrounding it. It feels mm-hmm. it just it's interesting. It draws me yeah. in. Oh, no, we're losing as the one bard subclass that I haven't actually dabbled into. This should probably be next on my list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah. Um, I guess if you guys have any more overall thoughts on the bar before we start talking about some other stuff that we'll get into in a sec, but any other overall thoughts on the bard? Yeah. Reading some of these again, I see uh, points that Gabe's going to make. We're not going to argue. Um <laughs> Swords, I still love it as just this thing completely removed from Bard that has some nice Bard abilities. But overall, I've got to be in that lame group where I think Lore is my favorite because that's what I want when I'm playing a Bard. And that's just, that is tough yeah. stuff for me. Yeah. All around, really, really solid class. And I think I think it's, it's awesome, like, for 5th edition. Like, you see it all the time. Like, people love playing bards and there's a there's a good reason for it they're an amazing class in fifth edition and no matter what you pick you're going to have a good time even like even if you really want to like play a more support you you're going for support and you want to play up the whole bard thing and you choose college of swords you're still because the bard is strong enough where it it, you will still have a good time and you're still gonna have a, a, a it's gonna be great no matter what you do so go go buck wild I personally recommend that all of you play Bard. I, I don't care who you are. If you only want to play the Barbarian that smashes, go try Bard. I didn't want to play Bard. I played Bard. 
uh, in Gabe's campaign. I fell in love <laughs> instantly. Yeah. Oh, good times. Mm-hmm. So, something that we like to talk about at the very end of these is what kind of place does the bard have in a world when a DM is... Like, if a DM's creating a world, where is the bard going to be in it? Where are you going to find bards? Maybe what? Where are cart? Where are bard colleges? What are they doing? What's the, sort of that whole thing? So, so yeah, yeah, I, I can I can start. Do you want to start off, Orion? You go ahead. All right. So where I see it is, I see bards are um, mostly wandering around and like looking for those stories and like um, I think they're really geared to being adventurers. Obviously, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, they're they're going with the heroes and they're trying to figure out what what's happening so they can they have the stories to tell. Um, other than that, I definitely I definitely do see them in like libraries and like stuff like that and like in organized and and whatnot. I just I personally it's not my thing for for this class. I would I would much rather have like a more like loose fitting type thing where it's like yeah there's just a bunch of wandering bards and every like couple years we just meet up and that's like the college of of wars meet up and we just trade stories and whatnot learn what everybody's going on what's going on with everybody and then we part ways and um and roam across the world to gather get information and whatnot that's how i would that's how i do it john you want to take your shots yeah so they can be anywhere in my opinion don't just limit to them as that wandering minstrel who uh, just goes to tavern and tavern and plays music. Whatever you can imagine with a bard, you can do. For instance, in Gabe's campaign, um, my bard as a cho- or child was sold off to the uh, Temple of Sunni to become basically like the perfect wife and all that, but through defiance instead became a bard, etc., etc., etc. Whatever you want to do with this class, talk to your DM, try it out. Because no matter what, it's going to be fun. Yeah. What do you got, mm-hmm. Orion? So I see when a DM is creating a world, if they want to incorporate bards in there, uh, sort of like what you were talking about, where you can have traveling bards. They might not be traveling minstrels. They could just be traveling storytellers where they go. I like to imagine that a lot of the times, with if you happen to run into another adventuring party and they have a bard with them, they don't want the bard there. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they do because they want their story to be told or they're just really annoying. <laughs> or you could have your exposition dumps there. If you want to have physical colleges for like barred colleges, then where would the College of Swords be? Would it be alongside the like would it be alongside where the militaries are training? Like would it be alongside the battle masters? Where's your are you going to have a College of Whispers, or is that going to be a strange subset of a roguish, like of a roguish following that, like, they know that you've, they know that you're good at blending in or collecting information because you know you play an instrument or something, so they teach you a few tricks and you learn some things on your own. There might not mm-hmm. be an actual College of Whispers, or you could just have sort of like again what Gay was saying where. The colleges are sort of loose guild structures where they might have a building or two across the continent that eventually, like, every once in a while you might check in with the Bard College of Swords in, I guess, the Bard College of Lore in, I don't know, Whiterun, since we talked about Skyrim at the very beginning. You check in every once in a while and say, hey, I've got some stories to tell you, and you can add them to your tomes and collections. 
So, yeah, you can you can have bards in a lot of places, and it'll, for the most part, make sense. And if it doesn't, well, it makes sense anyways. <laughs> and Your god here. I guess just mm-hmm. drop back to uh, the scenario that we all liked very much. Um, bards of Valor, don't put them in a college. Put them in maybe a military academy. Train them to be battlefield support. Make them the flautist that pulls a pistol. Possibilities are endless when bards are involved. Yep. Um, unless we have any other thoughts, Gabe, I believe I have a dice to roll. Yeah, well... <laughs> no, Gabe, trust me, I do I do have a dice to roll. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Roll uh, that I dice. Definitely, I definitely have a dice in my hand right now. Oh, would you look at that? That That's a four. That's a monk. Wow. That's a monk. Wow. Mm, we totally... Yep. Okay. Yep. The recording uh, didn't... Nothing happened to the, the, the previous bard recording we did. Um. Absolutely nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Next uh, week but, we'll be talking about monks. I don't know. I just got summoned. I see that uh, your two-hour spell is about to run up here. Um, frankly, if I could leave early, I've got some floating to do somewhere else. Yeah, he's got to shoot people with while he's got a flute in his mouth. Well, before we do that, um, if you liked what you've heard, then please rate and review the show and share it with your fellow friends, nerds, losers, whatever you want to call them. Um, Gabe, social stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, well, first off, thanks, John, for uh, coming out and or not well, not coming into the internet space and and talking to us about this your your famed class. Um, um, but otherwise, uh, you can find us on Facebook at, at Basement or Basements and Lizards Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at BNL Pod. Uh, and then uh, I'm going to purposely purposefully butcher the email because I I'm bad at it. Uh, it's you can look at the the late lizard and basement at protonmail.com. And Ryan will correct at me. Basement <laughs> lizards at protonmail.com. I feel like that's just going to be a thing that we do for every single episode because why not? Uh, I think it is. <laughs> and John, you have five seconds to plug absolutely anything you want. Uh, go play Bard. That's the only thing I have to plug here. Just do it in real life. Pick up an instrument. Okay, that's your five seconds. So, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Wizards are, are better than Bards. Bards.